They are our cuddlers and co-workers, purr machines and love bugs, and constant companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life so much better. When we face unexpected challenges in life, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people who love their pets and the pets who love their people, ensuring these families stay exactly where they belong, together. And you have something to offer. With an open heart and mind, there is nothing you can't do. There's no gesture too small or too big when it comes to helping. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. You can help keep pets and people together. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Welcome into the Sports Insanity Podcast. Let's go completely insane, peeps! Hey folks, what's up? Danny Boy Reginald, Mike Rifkin with me. To close out, we just finished our stretching time, seventh inning stretch, saying taking me out to the ball game, that type of thing. And um, we're ready to go, ending the week here on Sports Insanity Podcast, right here on the Sports Insanity Network. Thank you once again for joining us. Uh, heavy, just an NBA draft. Uh, then, of course, uh, as I watch the Yankees lose another game for the God knows how many times, and that that's just a disgrace. This team is awful. Um, that's why we'll save them for batter up and bombers banter. Um, we do have baseball news involving the other team in town. Rifkin will touch on that. And then um, uh, a little bit of... Uh, back and forth between Kelsey and Jamar Chase regarding little quarterback. That's going to be a great conversation. How's it going? Oh, yeah, that, that'll be a fun one. Anyway, so hopefully um, your week has been great. Let's get it rolling. Thursday night was the NBA draft, and, of course, headlined by the big man, the tall guy. Wembentonio, as he's now been proclaimed. <laughs> Victor Wembenyama heading over to the Spurs. Number one overall pick. He's from France. I mean, the more I watch highlights of this guy, the more I get really, really, really giddy about this pick for San Antonio. This is a pick that they've been waiting for that sort of Brings the franchise into a new direction. And they desperately need it because they've been struggling for the past couple of years. And, you know, obviously a bit of a downturn. They're obviously the, the era 
of the Tony Parkers and the Manny Ginobili's and the Tim Duncan's. It's all over. The, the, those players are long retired and don't play basketball and they're not a threat to anybody in the Western Conference anymore. But this pick right here is the pick that changes it all. You're right in everything you just said. Um, it changes everything on uh, where, where the Spurs go. And they've kind of felt directionless since not only the big three left, but since Kawhi Leonard left. Yes. And they won the title in, in 14. And it feels like ever since it's just been like, we kind of cast them aside because they were the model franchise in any sport. So I'm very happy for the Spurs. I'm happy for Greg Popovich because seeing a, a bad Spurs team with him at the helm just isn't doesn't feel right. So I'm I'm happy for them on that. I'm rooting for Wemben. I'm rooting for Victor Wembenyama. I am because you have to. Yeah. You want to root for the young guys to succeed. He's seven foot four, or whatever it is, he's insane. Yeah. Listen, and, and yeah, I yeah. love it when it's a good market like San Antonio and not a team that is consistently at the top of the draft. Mm-hmm. I know the Spurs have been consistently at the top of the draft recently, but history shows they haven't always been there. Well, yeah, man, that just goes to show you the great coaching one of Greg Popovich and to the players that he always got that led the Spurs to have the success that they've had in the 21st century. It's been absolutely, absolutely incredible to watch. Yeah. This dude listed at seven, five, he's only 220 pounds or he's a pretty skinny dude. Um, for yeah, he some- might want to put a little bit more meat on him. Hang out with yeah. Zion. That'll do it for you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, if he wants to put more muscle and get him stronger, fine. But just his height alone is enough to scare you. Like, he's towering over everybody. Yao Ming. (laughs) (laughs) That's the name I thought, Yao Ming. Shaq, too, you know? Shaq, yeah. For sure. I mean, as long as he can shoot his free throws better than Shaq, then we're okay. Yeah, exactly. No, th- this guy's going to be a huge sensation in San Antonio. And oh man, if he turns out to be as good as advertised, maybe even better as advertised. I'm telling you, man, I'm looking at another Spurs dynasty. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen with Greg Popovich on their hand, but you know, Greg Popovich obviously has a lot of coaches on his staff that's going to possibly succeed him and, you know, lead that team. So he's setting them up for the big time future. One of those people on his staff, Tim Duncan. Exactly. Is that where we're going? Is that where we're thinking? Could very well be. I mean, he, Look, he's a very fundamental basketball player, so maybe you can... Yeah, so so that's, that's just something to think about. Yeah, for, for certain. Um, now, I don't know if the Spurs are going to be good 
this upcoming season, they could very well be a very good team. They could very well be a really bad team. But it's about growth of the franchise. And this is a big-time franchise move that could possibly change it for the good. So, number one pick, Wemby, Wembentonio. He is going to be, I'm telling you, the more I watch, the more I get excited. He's going to be a star if he isn't already. Oh, he's going to be must-watch when the Spurs are on. Yeah. And I believe, is this the first guy from France that gets drafted first, if I'm not mistaken? I believe so. I think you're right. I'll double-check that for you. Yeah. Um, So, it just goes to show you the talent overseas is getting better and better and better. I mean, you're talking talent from Africa, talent from Europe, talent from China all those different places where the NBA has successfully uh, put a global market into the basketball scene. So um, it's uh, incredible stuff to watch. Uh, Rounding out the top 10, uh, Brandon Miller. This one's a a, a bit of a controversial one because, um, as you know, the the Alabama shooting and everything, again, he wasn't charged with the crime. It was his teammate. but he did bring the gun to the guy, and then the guy yes. going on a rampage. Um, so, so he wasn't charged with the crime, but of course, he got a lot of scrutiny um, in college because of his involvement of, of some sort. So a little bit of a controversy there, but Brandon Miller goes to the Hornets. That's going to be big for, um, I was about to say New Orleans, Charlotte, because um, uh, it can give LaMelo Ball a little bit of help. Um, and he's not do everything on his own and possibly tear up his knee and legs and all that stuff. So, I'm also a little surprised Jordan picked him after the whole who he thought was the GOAT to be. <laughs> like, that, 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 I was like, you're really going to take him after you put Paul George in the GOAT conversation? Okay. Yeah. all right now someone who had been long projected to be at two ended up going three scoot henderson he goes to portland then the thompson twins go four and five amen at four sorry if i'm messing up these names and was it orsar whatever the heck his name is both from overtime elite and uh, i think that's the g league if i'm not mistaken and yes. um, they, they uh, go four and five. That's actually an NBA draft first where twin brothers go back to back. That's never happened before. Um, so that's a little bit of story, a little bit of history going on in this NBA draft. Um, Orlando gets Anthony Black, you know, Arkansas, Bilal, Pulabali. Now he was picked by the Pacers, but he's actually going to go to Washington via a trade and i think they swapped the seven and eight picks if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. so um yes so jarris walker was picked eight by the wizards and he goes to the pacers and i believe the pacers also picked up future draft picks from washington and then taylor Hendricks goes to Utah, and then Dallas picked uh, Wallace 
but he's actually going to go to Oklahoma City, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and then Dallas wound up picking 12th. I think that was Derek Lively. Yeah. So that's your top 10. Uh, it's a good, it's a good draft class. Um, like I said, um, a lot of the G League um, getting picked in this draft. So that's uh, huge. And what it goes to show you is that once again, um, all you got to do is just get ready for the draft. And, you know, if you're good enough and you get scouted very well, you're going to get picked. So uh, congratulations to all the uh, 60 players drafted in the NBA. Uh, draft, especially the big guy, Wembentonio. It's gonna be a, a good uh a good name to give him for a little bit. I don't know if he's gonna stick with it, but you know it's a good name for right now. Yeah, get get behind. Get yeah. behind. Uh, listen, the thing about the G League is now that we've made that eligible for the draft, it has changed things. Yes. Because guys are foregoing college and now they'll play the one year in the G League and then go from there. Or, you know, you can be like the Ball Brothers and go overseas for a couple years until you're draft eligible, like LiAngelo and LaMelo did. And then you play until you're getting your eligible and then you come to the NBA. It's, there's a lot. I mean, even in baseball, there's people are starting to do that. Because they mm-hmm. don't go to college, so they go to a Korean or they go to a Japan, and they maybe even the Dominican leagues if they allow it, and they make some money, and then they come to Major League Baseball. It's you know the bottom line is that college no longer is an op- is is an option, but it's no longer the pathway. Right, many different paths to the NBA, to pro sports, really. But specifically, we're talking about the NBA. So, it's. I think it's good. I think it's giving someone who's aspiring to be a pro basketball player the option of which path they want to take. Path that mm-hmm. one can give them one financial goal, save some money, and make some money, save it, and then of course, make more money in the NBA when they become eligible and they know they're good. And, you know, they don't have to deal with the schools and the one and dones and the scrutiny. And it, it's it's good for sports. It's good for the game. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I'm not a fan of one and dones in college, personally. I'm just not. Because for the most part, you you know who's coming out and, and stuff on that. Um, I've always felt two years was fair, kind of like what the NFL does. But, you know, listen, the NBA went different route. If you want to play a year in the G League, go for it. I, I, no one's going to stop you from doing that if that's what you want to do. So uh, I think it's I think it's a very interesting way to go about certain things for sure. So that's the NBA draft. Uh, again, congratulations to all that are drafted. Lots of noise going on before the draft. Oh, th- th- this is where the fun stuff comes in. Uh, we'll, we'll start with our old pal, Chris Porzingis, who is now officially a journeyman. Um, 
And uh, he goes to he officially goes to the Celtics. I think they're still kind of finalizing that trade, but I think it's pretty official at this point. Um, it's a part of a three-team deal that where Marcus Smart actually goes to the Grizzlies, and of course they get uh, the Boston gets Porzingis, and I think the Wizards get like draft picks. And Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones, yes, that, that's right. I forgot about Tyus Jones, which is I I I think. For because I think he's his contract's up soon, so mm-hmm. I think it's sort of like a stopgap type of thing before they start building the natural. Team. He's not a bad player, no, he's a good player. Yeah. I actually like this for the Wizards. Um, for obviously for the Celtics, you get Porzingis who can play offense and, of course, defend. So that's a big thing. Big, uh, obviously, you got to beware of his injury history because that exists too. Downside. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just about to say downside. You lose Marcus Smart, who was one of the greatest defenders in the league. So, um, yeah. The the thing for me on Porzingis is he'll stretch the floor. Like he he'll help them do that. But my my thing is, does it help you losing Marcus Smart, who defensive? Defensively, there aren't many better than Marcus Smart. No. And by the way, now you go to Memphis, mm-hmm. him and Jaron Jackson, I believe, are the last two defensive player of the years. And, you know, obviously huge defensive presence, and that's going to help John Morant when he obviously comes back to earth um, and, you know, actually stays with the Grizzlies to win games, not to – no. Actually, you think the Grizzlies just buy a Marcus Smart jersey? They mail it to John Morant and say, "The name on the back of this shirt. This is what you have to be." <laughs> like that—that's the thing for me. Um, but go, going back to the Celtics, like I, I get the wanting of another player, but to me, and, and this is going to sound really weird, but I love Jason Tatum and I love Jalen Brown, but at the same time, I think they're the same player. Yeah, they're like, both ball dominant guys who could shoot the ball, drive pretty good defenders. I would have probably moved on from Brown because I don't want to have to have 600 million between the two of them over yeah. the next number of years. Well, so I would have said, okay, I'll build this around Jason Tatum, I'll keep Marcus Smart, who I think is the most valuable Celtic over Tatum because of the defensive presence. Exactly, and I'm going to get a, a crap ton back in return for Jalen Brown. That's why I would have kept smart over Jalen Brown, but I'm not Brad Stevens. Yeah, Brad Stevens talked about <laughs> wanting some type of balance on his team. I said you can't have enough balance if you don't have a defensive guy like Marcus Smart. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Um, Unless there's something else you're working on that we don't know about, which well, is also possible, but you know, you're talking about replacing someone who can defend very well. We know Porzingis can play defense, but he's not as good of a defensive player. He's also not as quick as Smart is. Mm-hmm. So you know, look, Porzingis is kind of slow up the floor, and this is no again, no knock on him. Big man can certainly get stopped but no I, I don't know that that's a big that's a big time loss for them it, I mean, like, it it can end up working out 
because again, you get defense, you get scoring from Chris Dabbs, but you don't get that big time defensive presence that you have with Smart. It's not the same. You can't argue that it's the same. Now, like I said, for the Grizzlies, it's perfect. Now you have two big time defenders, and then of course you have Ja and a cast of characters that could also shoot the ball very well. Yeah, essentially, Marcus Smart is Dylan Brooks's replacement. Exactly. That that that's essentially what we're saying. So, yeah. so good on the Grizzlies to get that done. Uh, Celtics um, again. Porzingis isn't bad. Again, the only thing that that worries me is the injuries. Like you have to be careful with a guy like Porzingis, who you know is going to be out for a long period of time. Once again, he showed that when he was with Washington, he didn't play an entire season. And that's got to be frustrating, you know, for someone like him that wants to be out there every single day. And they have a guy in Robert Williams who's already got had some injury issues of his own. So on the inside, you're looking at two guys who – have had issues staying healthy, which means guess what happens? You have to go back and rely on Al Horford again. Who's slower, getting slower by the day. Well, he, he's just getting older. He's still effective, but he's yeah. just well, yeah, getting well, older. Of course. But, I don't know, but you can't trust him like you did like five years ago. Exactly. You know, if this was Al Horford in 2016, that's one thing because you can rely on him big time. Not anymore. You know, the league has changed. The game has changed. You have different big-time players. This is Tatum's team. This is Jalen Brown's team. I don't know. Okay, I think it's more Tatum's team. Um, So, yeah, no, it's a different Celtics team. They're talking about balancing out everything. Okay, well, let's see how it works out. I have my. I'm really skeptical about it. To be honest, with you. I, I'm very skeptical too, especially in an Eastern Conference that is very competitive. Because Milwaukee's still very good. Miami, I still think, is really good. You know, you got other teams in the East who could come into Boston and say, "Okay, we we think you're a little bit weaker, so you're coming back to the pack a little bit." That wasn't the only trade the Wizards made with teams. They also ended up trading Chris Paul to the Warriors. Of course, that's a couple of days after they got Chris Paul uh, from the Suns in the, in the Bradley Beal trade. And once again, it's just a bunch of draft picks. I'm not going to – look, they got their number one guy in Cool Valley on the draft night which is, you know, fine. Like, if they if they think he's going to be great, then let's see it happen. But a lot of second-round picks in these trades for the Wizards, I don't know if that's going to do much. They do have a top 20 protected, but they may never see that first-round pick because it's top 20 protected. Well, you can always package those second-rounders to turn them into first. So you do have that option. I actually like this trade for both sides because I think Jordan Poole's upside in Washington is huge. They do get Poole. And I know Poole's had you know, some issues over in Golden State, uh, mainly with Draymond. 
Yeah. Uh, but of course, change of scenery could work out for him. You know, he could easily become Washington's best player. Yeah. And, and he was coming off the bench in Golden State. And, and, and listen, he, here's the thing no matter who you are in Golden State, you're not Steph, you ain't Clay, and you're not Draymond. And guess so you kind of have to become a fallback option. As huge as Jordan Poole was last year in their title run, you know, a lot of people say it got to his head. Draymond and him got into a beef. Mm -hmm. The Warriors said, okay, enough of that. I do think that had a little bit of impact on his play. Certain, yeah. Yeah, so they said, okay, we'll get Chris Paul, who's another veteran, Mm -hmm. but another guy who will help lead this team. And look, someone that's had a lot of playoff experience over his no illustrious career. He's had a great career, uh, Chris Paul. And, you know, I, I don't really see Chris Paul. I see Chris Paul as someone that could obviously come off the bench, someone that could ignite a lineup, get on a scoring run for sure. He can easily make players better. Now, I don't know if the ability he had with, you know, the Suns I don't, or OKC, I don't know if he's going to give them that, but he can certainly give, you know, enough where the Warriors can go on a big scoring run in case there's no Curry or there's no uh, Clay and all that. Yeah, it's – I like this trade for the Wizards because it gives them a potential guy. I like it for the Warriors because it gives them another dimension. Steph and Clay can be without the ball because Chris Paul could have the ball. Chris Paul could help them on the defensive side, and they kind mm-hmm. could upgrade in that position because Steph, for as good as he is, is not the, not the greatest defender in the whole world. No. And we, it never has been. So it helps them defensively as well. So I kind of like where this goes for the Warriors and yeah. the Wizards. Yeah. And, of course, on like you said, on the Wizards side, you do get Jordan Poole. Um, obviously, he's not going to come off the bench. The, the Washington, he's no, he starts. So he's starting. So now he gets to really show the entire NBA world, hey, look, I'm a starter now, and I'm going to play out my ass, and I'm going to do everything I can to prove to you that I'm one of the best players in the NBA. Uh, it may not work out for him, but it's certainly worth the shot. And, you know, look, the Wizards have nothing to lose. You know, they're, they're not going to be a good team again this year. Yeah, essentially, like like I said before, with Marcus Smart replacing Dylan Brooks, Jordan Poole essentially replaces Bradley Beal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you go, okay, if you show up, Jordan Poole, you're going to be the next face of the franchise. Which, by the way, I'm very disappointed. The Wizards have not drafted either Harry Potter or Ron Weasley yet. So they they are not technically wizards. Fine. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the no, it's uh, it for Washington. Obviously, new clean slate, rebuild under new management. This is going to be a process that takes a while, but it's an exciting process for a team that is looking to get back into NBA glory. 
And to be fair, look, I, I know they had John Wall and Bradley Beal and uh, other players. The Wizards haven't really been relevant for me since Gilbert Arenas. Yeah, that's my point too. Yeah. Like they need to be in a direction. So if it's retool a rebuild, I think they're going about this the right way. They traded Bradley Beal. They got a ton of picks back for that. They make this trade with Chris Paul. We could talk about the second round picks they've accumulated, but that's also where you you make your money as a scout because anyone's a top ten pick. It's those second rounders that help you out a lot. And that's the thing. That's why I'm not so I'm not as dismissive over the second round picks because a lot of good players can come from the second round that you don't really know of. I mean, Draymond was a second round pick. Yeah. So you never really know. And then, of course, like I said, you you have your star. You had Bilal. You have your star that I, I don't know if he's going to turn out to be one, but he can certainly, certainly do that. He's top 10 pick. So it can certainly work out. You can build something from the draft. And then, of course, you know, once you get those pieces, they can easily be movable. If, they're good, but not as good, and you need help. It's a good direction that the Wizards are going in. It's not. It's something that the fans in DC have to be patient over. Yeah, patience is a virtue. And as Axel Rose said, all you need is just a little patience. So those are the the, the two big trades that happened. Obviously, there were some uh, in draft trades that involved draft picks and all that. Um, Let me throw this out to you because we talked about it in the Twitter chat. Well, at least me and Krause did. Shout out Krause. Um, Paul George was made available, and the Knicks reportedly had conversations with the Clippers. Does that intrigue you at all? Yes and no. Yes, because... Paul George is easily better than a Julius Randle when obviously when he's out there playing, if he's injured, then that's it. It's not going to work out. Um, my big thing is the contract because you know, Paul George going to want big numbers. Knicks can't afford that right now. Mm. So, and the, obviously the Knicks have had the same concerns so they're actually sort of staying away from it right now. They're not giving up on it because bottom line is this. Jalen Brunson needs help. The Knicks need help. Tibbs needs help. Everyone in that organization needs help because the Knicks don't have that second star power. And look, if you want to argue that Julius Randle's a star, fine. I'm sort of with that star, but not even big time star, maybe like low level star, very notable player. That's how I think of Julius Randle, if I'm being honest with you. But they need a star. They need a star to pair up with Brunson. Brunson is a certified star. He needs another certified star to pair up. That's where the Knicks are at. I'm with you. I, I, I'm with you. They do need another star. I'm with you on the Randle point too. I think if you're making a big three with Julius Randle, Julius Randle has to be the third player. Oh, for sure. And, kind of like, and this is not not because the guy's a Hall of Famer, but kind of like Chris Bosh had to be the third guy for the Heat with Wade and LeBron. 
And I think, for by the way, he was perfectly okay with it because right. he did, and he was phenomenal with the heat. When obviously before his blood clots, but then of course he was he was great after LeBron too. So I think if Randall look, Randall needs to take a step back for sure if we're going to keep him because he cannot be that big time guy to compliment Brunson. He needs to be, like you said, that third wheel, someone that. How would I describe it? This is no disrespect to him, too. Draymond. Yeah. Uh, although I'm not even opposed to the Knicks signing Draymond and trading Julius Randle either. <laughs> For, if if Julius Randle's going to lead you to a, to an, a very good player, because you know Draymond's not going to give you the offense. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, like, I think that Julius Randle, if he takes a step back a little bit, pressure comes off of him. He can still perform during the regular season. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, we already know in the playoffs he's going to stink or not play as well as he is during the regular season. If you're going to put it nicely. And then you have someone like a Paul George and then Jalen Brunson to really get it going. So it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but you have to kind of worry about the contract. Mm. That's something that the Knicks cannot make again. You cannot make another bad contract. We already have too many bad ones. I mean, that's the only, well, I mean, that and RJ, but. Well, RJ still has time. He still was. He, he's not. Is he like 20? 21, 22. Yeah, he's not even 22 yet. So it's like, I'm not worried about RJ Barrett. Obviously, it's concerning that he hasn't taken that leap. But at the same time, there's more of an upside with him than Zion Williamson, who doesn't see the floor at all. And he was picked number one. I got to be honest with you. The thought of Zion actually intrigues me for the Knicks. You know, people have been talking about that too. And look, if if it takes Thibodeau to really put fear into Zion's, like, all over his body and make him want to work for his NBA career, it's also not a terrible idea. You know, like, I've always wanted Zion. Obviously, it hasn't worked out in New Orleans. Um, I've always wanted Zion because of the presence that he just brings. Like, he is a talented, talented player. Good shooter. Obviously, a big man, so he can get in there a little bit. He has a lot of meat in him. So he can get up and, you know, get physical. But my concern, obviously, is Denson Floor. Yeah, the part that intrigues me is, one, Tom Thibodeau, but two, you reunite with R.J. Bear, who he played with at Duke. And the familiarity, I mean, it's been a while, but familiarity obviously works. And, you know, they, they obviously had a somewhat good relationship there. That they, had, they were teammates, and it kind of worked out. So for Zion, it's not the worst thing in the world for the Knicks. It may not also be the worst thing in the world. Um, 
I'm not going to overpay the contract. No. I'm not going to overpay the trade. But well, no, no, no. It, 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 the idea of overpaying him is out of the out out the window. It's not it doesn't exist because um, he hasn't lived up to any expectation. So it was like, oh, there's no expectation for you to sign him to a low level contract. That's a smart thing you can do. And obviously, Zion would be an idiot not to take anything. Exactly. So a lot of things floating around for the Knicks. Um, Paul George seems intriguing. Zion seems intriguing. Knicks need a star. That that's that's all I have to say. Knicks need a star and a championship. I mean, they took that step this year. Like they they got to the second round, mm-hmm. and let's be real honest: if they beat the Heat, I think game one, mm-hmm. like that's a different series. Oh, yeah. So, but you saw what you wanted to see. A lot of those young guys took another step. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Brunson, like, Jalen Brunson had a MVP quality season. Yeah. And I'm still shocked you didn't get into the All-Star game. Uh, that's why all star games are a sham. <laughs> exactly. Like they, they are. I, I'm sorry. I know they're games for the fans, but fans are morons who don't know how to vote unless it's for their specific team. So bad, dude. Um, and I'm, I'm a fan, and I'm saying this. But no, Brunson has was had a terrific season. Here's another development. I don't know how true this is. But are you hearing that Obi Toppin and Tibbs got into it? I did read this, yes. Oh, my God. Like, uh, again, no, no one's, like, confirming or denying. But if that's true, Toppin might be out the door soon. Uh, I, I, but he might, be, he, he might be one of those guys who could land you a star, though, if you put a cup, attach a couple of picks to him. Yeah. There's a lot of upside in Obi Wan topping. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. And look, I, I I love Obi. I think he doesn't get enough play time for sure, and I, I I do feel bad for him on that front. And you know, obviously, I w- I wish him nothing but the best, and I want him to have a good NBA career. But if he's going to be fighting with a coach about playing time, and not really see the goal that might be problematic for the Knicks. You don't want drama in the locker room here. You don't want people to have it to take sides. Yeah. So that's frustrating because, you know, Obi, there's a lot of promise. You know, New Yorker loved the Knicks growing up. The fans love him. So it's like it's that, it's that relationship that, you know, you just you wish that it just worked out. Poor soul. Didn't they just sign? I'm not sure if he's just their brother or not, but didn't they sign Jacob Toppin from Kentucky? I, that, that I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, I'm just double Yeah, okay. the younger brother of OB Toppin, Jacob Toppin, has agreed to a two way contract with the Knicks. So, <laughs> so maybe they're trying to get Obi's good graces by signing his brother. Yeah, so. <laughs> Obviously, that means he'll spend some time in the G League, and then obviously, when he's called upon, he will come up to the to the big league roster. 
Um, I hope it works out for him. That would be pretty nice. Yeah. I would have went the other Kentucky big man. I, I would have went with Oscar Shibla, who's a rebounding machine. But, you know, yeah. I, I can't believe he didn't get drafted personally. But, you know, it's all it's where, where we're at in the story of bigs. Yeah. Um, now, of course, uh, the Knicks have a big-time season to go. They need to obviously make upgrades to the roster. We will see what they do in free agency. That starts, I think, next week. So, uh, July 1st, next Saturday. Yeah, next week. Those deals can't be official, I think, for another couple of days or something. But yeah. you, could start, you could start agreeing to terms with people. What, what is it, that moratorium where they could? Yeah, it's something weird. They can agree to it, but then they, they can also change their minds. DeAndre Jordan syndrome. <laughs> DeAndre Jordan locked himself in a place when he got signed. I don't remember. I, was it the maps when he went to? I think it was Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh my. But, God. Yeah. So that that's next week. That's next week. Now. What will the Knicks do? I, I don't know, to be honest with you. The Leon Rose got to be smart in this offseason and make big-time moves to improve this team. And I think I think the Knicks are smart enough. That, I think that front office is very smart. Uh, they'll, they'll certainly get the job done. On to other news. And this broke a couple hours ago, Mike Rifkin. Mm-hmm. But your Mets not only lost badly to the Phillies. Again. <laughs> Five one final score there. Uh they also made a trade. Yeah. Uh they made a trade with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They acquired Coleman Crow and Landon Marceau, mm-hmm. two pitchers in the Angel system. They are ranked 19th and 20th out of the Angels prospects. The Mets are gonna retain money on Escobar. Mm-hmm. So that's why they got the two guys they really want because they're going to pay off those contracts. Yes. Um, so Escobar goes, you obviously paid that contract out. Um, which is fine. It's only the rest of this year. Yeah, it's not, not, that, not that serious. Yeah, it, it's, it's getting to the point where I think you're going to start seeing some of these guys who may not have the future – on this club who are going to go uh the positive out of this there's two positives out of this and i wish nothing but the best for eduardo escobar from what i heard great guy great teammate um frustrating to watch at times because of the inconsistencies but if this means brett Beatty's going to play every day i'm okay with it um the other part is the met the mets need pitching in the system which is fine but I wonder now what is Mark Hanna next? Is Tommy Pham next? Although Tommy Pham's been playing pretty well, so I'm not opposed to keeping him. Listen, they're seven games under right now um, after tonight's loss. Is that where I think they were to be? No. Uh, I'm not blowing this whole thing up yet, but if Escobar's the first domino, you have another, really another couple of weeks before I say, it might be time to blow this thing up, but uh, the, it's wait and see mode. I don't mind it because Escobar was really using up a roster spot because he, not that he couldn't play, he wasn't playing because Brett Beatty had to play. 
And the other part of this is Angel said, uh, your guy Gio Urshela just got hurt. So he'll now, replace Gio Urshela. And of course, you know, the, the Gio news stinks. because I mean, he didn't have to be out for the season, by the way. But mm-hmm. obviously for just to be on the safe side, they did it, which is the smartest move they could make. And mm-hmm. obviously for Gio to be at his best. And then, of course, for the Angels and all that. But you know, look. The, the bottom line is the Mets are sort of at a in a position where they're looking. They they have the outlook for the rest of the season. They still have about a month to at least evaluate, see where they are, see if they can still make a move or two to be better, and that it's not getting any better within the next month. That they could evaluate and see who can be moved and who can be brought up and really start hammering this idea of the kids. Yeah. And Andy Martino brought up uh, an interesting point on SNY.TV talking about the the Mets can eat a bad contract to add to the bullpen kind of deal. Uh, He mentioned a couple of teams mentioned the nationals. If you want to eat a, a Strasburg or a Corbin contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mentioned the Yankees with Donaldson, which I would never do. Um, th- that's not a knock. I just, where's Josh Donaldson fit on this team? He doesn't. Um, he mentioned, and he mentioned the Royals, maybe Sal Perez, but again, no real future on this team, especially for Alvarez is here. The one name who made sense was Corbin. Because the Mets can use depth starting pitching-wise. And I still think you can unlock something in Patrick well, Corbin. Well, I, I I personally believe the net, and this is no knock on Dave Martinez and his, his coaching staff. I just don't think they're locking into his true potential. I think they're holding him back a little bit. Listen, I'll, I'll, I'll say this about Dave Martinez. The Nats play hard for him, but the mm-hmm. other thing, Best ejection of the year so far when he got down behind home plate. No, the guy's very passionate, but his track record with the pitching has been brutal, absolutely brutal. And you, the saving grace, hopefully, is Gray, the the new guy, was it McKenzie, whatever the heck his name is. Um, McKenzie Gore? Yeah, him. And um, – that's the saving grace because they've actually pitched well. Um, but Corbin has been brutal to watch, at least with the Nationals. But if he goes to the Mets and they unlock something that hasn't been used yet, and then he starts pitching well, now he's, he's, he's not going to have to be the guy behind Scherzer Ver- and Verlander and Senga. So essentially you're putting him up against your another team's four. Yeah, I don't hate and, the idea of Patrick Corbin. I and, really and, don't. How much worse can it be if you really think about it? It's true. I, excuse me. I, at this point, no offense. Tyler McGill just got sent down. Yeah. I really don't need to see Tyler McGill until September, yeah, unless you, you know something else comes to yeah. fruition. But we'll get his reps in Syracuse. Right, which is fine. Young pitcher, young guy. Same thing with Peterson. But the regression of those two has really hurt the Mets. But I'm not against the move of Corbin. Uh, The Escobar move, I think it's the first domino. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens next. 
though. Uh, Mets, I get you. Can you say he's at crossroads a little bit? I mean, it's a how would you how would you best describe it? I'm not a Mets fan, so how would you best? Describe it? I think they're right now. They're they're going on a one way road, mm-hmm. and they need to hit the brake and turn it around as quick as possible. Yeah, Be, because what's going on? Listen, I I I don't like pointing fingers at people, but yeah. guys who had career years last year aren't having the years that you know we thought they'd have. Two, they're making the mistakes that they didn't make last year. I know the the fielding. The one that kills me is the fielding mistakes that they make. They make so many errors and well, um, so many decisions fielding that there's just I just don't get it. Yeah, like, you know, I, I go back to the the Yankee game, the first Yankee game. They're up big. By the way, Max Scherzer has to hold that lead, but that's all another conversation. Brandon Nemo has to make that catch. Like, like that's a routine fly ball. You got to make that play. And it's just like when it's going bad, it's going bad. This is reminiscent of the Mets teams under Jerry Manuel. <laughs> like, that's where we're getting to. Uh, how brutal was he as man? Oh, oh he was brutal. And, and here's the thing. I, I've seen people – I, I like to mess with with my my dad because he's big buck guy. But you know, I, I see people all oh, fire buck, do this, do that. If you're firing buck, who's coming in? Unless you're going to sit there and tell me you have an idea of who's coming in, well, it's going to be a puppet. You know that, right? So I'm I'm not on the side of firing buck. The and by the way, there's only really two guys I would fire buck for. I'd fire Buck for Joe Madden. Mm-hmm. And you can convince me on Girardi, but I'm not there on Girardi. So really it's only Madden or even Girardi Mike had a, he, he had a bad stint with the Phillies. He, he did. Yeah. He knows it too. Um, look, and Buck's been frustrating this whole season. His press conferences, trying to make excuses for the bad play. Uh, of his ball club it's been tough to watch but yeah no like i don't know what better manager is out there that's not going to be an analytics you know puppet that's not going that's yeah i I just don't see it i don't every other manager that's out there is going to be because of the numbers and the mets are leaning that direction you can't tell me that they aren't Mm mm-hmm Right. It's time to, to start playing the kids. Beatty, bring back Vientos, play them. Let's see it. I want to see Mauricio. Is he ever going to come up? Like, this dude's killing it. I think they're te- they're teaching him left field in AAA, so that oh. way he'll, he'll have a position. Jesus Christ. Just why? Well, what's the point of that? Let him play his natural position. Well, he's naturally a shortstop. Can't move the shortstop. Okay, and 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 what's your shortstop doing to prove that? Listen, exactly- I, I'm not arguing with you. I'm not arguing. There's 341 million reasons. You know, well overpaid, uh, big time shortstop. All right. Listen, let me be let me be totally frank with you, Dan. 
everyone in Major League Baseball is grossly overpaid until Shohei Otani gets $550 million next year. Well, I, I think Aaron Judge is underpaid. <laughs> I've, well, I've judge had, has well, to be underpaid because that'll they'll say, well, we pay Stanton three hundred on top. Well, of the thing it. is, and you know, my my thoughts on Judge's worth has changed mightily since this start started this season because of how much his presence actually matters for the Yankees. So, like, I've my, my mindset has changed on him. How much he's actually worth. So I think he's underpaid. I think Shoei's obviously underpaid. Um, but he'll get he'll get that'll him. change. That's gonna change very soon. And um yeah, it's gonna be a number that uh is you can't explain to any other fantasize about. Yeah, you can't explain these type of, of money numbers to any other um pro sport. And you can't. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, there's the baseball talk for now uh, more on batter up with Mike Rifkin he'll be solo unless you can get Tommy Russo's get out of the shadow I'll reach out Yeah. I'll reach out otherwise it's me solo Sunday and you'll, you'll have to listen yeah, you have no choice you have no choice <laughs> um, so yeah tune in and batter up he'll, uh, Rifkin will have more on the baseball um, this coming weekend. And of course, uh, he already uh, recorded for the midweek. So that will be posted as soon as tomorrow, Saturday, whatever you want to call it. Um, then, of course, um, comes the Yankees. They just blew another game against the Texas Rangers. And I'm sick and tired of having to make excuses for the Yankees. This team sucks. Team sucks. Team is not good. And they don't deserve any into the playoffs. They don't. I, I I'm tired. Like, like the, the things about the Mets. I, I the Mets can get out of this because a lot of those contracts are coming off the books. Brian Cashman's gotten a free pass for me for way too long. Uh, and, and at some point, and Bill and I. We talked about this over and over and over again. It seems like this dude has a lifetime role with the Yankees. He can up and leave whenever he wants. When is Hal? And he'll probably never do this, but can Hal pull a trigger and be like, "Look, this is not yielding any success here." He won't do it because he's already making excuses. See, this is how you know. Ownership doesn't care. How comes out this week and tells the fan base, why are you guys complaining? It's June. Can you believe that, Rifkin? Can you honestly? That's a a Wilpon quote. Can you honestly believe an owner that has no sense of urgency knowing that the team is falling out big time in the standings in June. And I get that there's a there's an extra wild card. There are wild card spot that they can easily get and everything. But you cannot tell a fan base, don't insult people's intelligence, especially baseball fans in New York. Do not tell us that uh, your bad play in June where you're – 
slowly getting to 500 because of your losses does not matter. It does matter. It matters. It, it also matters when you're the New York Yankees and you haven't won a exactly. World Series since 2009. And it also matters when your dad was George Steinbrenner. Mm-hmm. And George, what it all, George just wanted to win. That's all he wanted to do. That was it. If he had to fire a guy, he'd fire him. And look, Brian Cashman is a probably a nice guy. He had a great run with the team. But at some point, it's over. Yeah. Like, if the Yankees were to get new ownership tomorrow, Cashman's out. Because there is no way you could look at this team that he assembled and say this is a good team. It's not. Here's the thing. There's a lot of pieces on the Yankees that I, I think we, we could criticize. Carlos Rodon hasn't thrown a pitch yet. Jesus Christ. And, and listen, you, you can tell me, oh, he's coming back. He's coming. Until he throws a pitch, Wait. he hasn't done anything. It's June 23rd at right. the time of this recording. Josh Donaldson Girl. has been a terrible trade. Yep. Harrison Bader. Nice player, but Jordan Montgomery's been really good for the Cardinals, too. Mm-hmm. And the Yankees could use another arm, especially because Luis Severino hasn't been good. Being fair to the Yankees on the Bader trade, Montgomery, as good as he's been with St. Louis, not hasn't been the same. He's sort of trending downwards a bit. But, of course, that, like you said, the Yankees could use pitching. Monty was a gamer. And, and ba- gamer. Bader's been injured twice this year yeah. you know um LeMay who's getting older oh, I would have let him go to Toronto a couple of years ago when they were gonna give him five and a hundred but you had to go 690 for him yeah um, hindsight, hindsight Rifkin thinking back on it I was one of those that's like oh no Machado no Machado why 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 are we thinking about getting Machado the Yankees had Machado I think it would have been in a much better spot. (laughs) Of course. And and the other guy, and and this is the guy I I think has to go next. Stan. Glaber. Well, Glaber, yeah. I was thinking Stan. But here's the thing about Stan. I don't know a team that's – the only team I think that would touch the contract would be the Mets. Okay. Or, I mean, the Dodgers probably – If the Dodgers wanted it, I'm sure the Dodgers could figure that out. But um, everyone says the Dodgers are loading up for Shohei, so that's another. Now, Glaber's interesting because he's actually not having a bad season. He's just not living up to any of the big expectations. Like, Glaber in 2019 was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He's not been anywhere close since. And, and the mental mistakes, though, it, to me, like, there are plays, like, you've got to make that play as a big leaguer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's just that's what frustrates me because the talent's there. Yeah. And talent's he, there. And he's obviously, he's now, he's, he's um, back at um at the second base. So I don't know. I mean, because the other part to that is you have Volpe, who's just not hitting currently. Yeah, but I'm not worried about Volpe. Like, I'll worry about Volpe year two and he's still giving me. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about him. I, I wouldn't be opposed to them 
having them work it out in the minor leagues. I'm not opposed to that. Mm-hmm. But just don't hurt the kid's confidence. Yeah, I know. But you're right. This is a team Cashman assembled. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, the other parties, I've never been an Aaron Boone guy. No. Um, that That's the other part to me. Like, I get it. He argues a lot. He, you know, no, but Boone, to me, he's a product of the Yankees. Boone's a fraud. I don't care what anyone says. Aaron Boone is a big fraud. He could go out there and argue for his players all he wants and act like he's a tough guy. In reality, the dude is an idiot. I've seen this dude actually manage from his gut, Rifkin, and half the time, this dude is clueless. He's clueless. He doesn't know what he's doing. That's why he relies on the numbers, because he knows that's the only way that it could work. But then half the time, it doesn't even work. Now, I, listen, if it weren't for the walk-off homer he hit against the Rod, Red Sox in 03, he wouldn't be the manager. The Aaron Boone has been frustrating. And, look, there have been times, look, he doesn't deserve a lot of credit. Like, I don't care what anyone says. Look, he can make a lot of good managerial moves. If he consistently uses the numbers and it backfires, which has, had, which has happened, Many times, after time, after time, after time. If he continues to do it, his good managerial moves don't matter because the Yankees still lose when he manages. He's frustrating to watch as a manager. So that's another big-time move that ownership and Cashman made. And it's time to reevaluate the organization. You have Sabian, you have Manaya, also in the front office. Why aren't you get? What's the point of hiring them if, if Cashman is still making the big time moves? No, you're right. Actually, you're 100 right. Why are they? There? I actually like Omar Manaya. I thought he was the, he was the, probably the best part about that organization for a long time. And I like Brian Sabian, to be honest with it. Yeah. I, I want Brian Sabian to be the Mets GM before they had Billy Epler. I'll be blunt on that one. Yeah. So. New York baseball's not in a good mood. Yeah, no, it's not. And again, Riffin will have much more on batter up. And of course, other other teams are either frustrating to watch or very cool to watch, like the Diamondbacks. And the Reds. How about the Reds? Cincinnati Reds. What a month for the Cincinnati Reds. Oh. What what a month indeed. Ellie De La Cruz hit for the cycle tonight. Yeah, a, he's a stud. That dude's he a is stud. Big. No, we can officially say it. He's he's hopefully it stays that way. He's as advertising. Oh, yeah. That is some player. And uh if he continues to grow and get better, who that red lineup. We're talking the second coming of Avado and a Bruce. Oh my god. Brandon Phillips. Yeah. I'll tell you this. Ellie De La Cruz, he reminds me of when I was in Little League, man. Mm-hmm. Flashy player, and you just <laughs> whatever the hell you want, right? Exactly. Cool. <laughs> uh, a little funny story to end your day. So, Joe Burrow, 
obviously of uh, we're sticking with Cincinnati for a little bit. Uh, of your Bengals, uh, Ohio. Joe Burrow was recently asking a scrum of media people, like who is the best quarterback in the league and whatever the question was. And he uttered the words that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, which is, um, of course, that's everyone's point of view. There, There's no one that could argue with it. Patrick Mahomes is a stud and he wins Super Bowls and Time after time after time, he amazes you with his great play and his grace off the field, too. So there's no question about it. He's number one. His teammate, Jamar Chase, however, has something else to say. And he ended up saying, Pat, who? That same media scrum, whatever, which got the attention of Mahomes' teammate, Travis Kelsey, who was not having it and basically criticized Jamar Chase for being disrespectful to the quarterback and all that stuff. It's a little bit of a, now, I mean, obviously this could obviously be big for the AFC. There's now beef between teams and stuff. And it's, um, you know, for people that face each other, it's, so in the playoffs, it's actually pretty nice to watch Ripken. It's pretty juicy. It's juicy. Um, first off, listen, I, I give Joe Burrow a lot of credit because a lot of guys look and say, I'm the best. Mm-hmm. And he acknowledged Patrick Mahomes as the best, mm-hmm. which I think was totally cool. Uh, I think those are the two best right now. If you want to throw Josh Allen in there, I think those are the top three. I think he's overrated. <laughs> but I, I think Burrow's better than Allen. No offense to Josh Allen. But for Jamar, Jamar Chase, listen, I love you. I love Jamar Chase. Yeah, exactly. Don't give the Chiefs bulletin board material, man. What is wrong with you? <laughs> you don't give that team Pat who? Like, oh. We're not talking Pat Sajak. We're not talking Pat White. We're talking Patrick Mahomes. And you want to go with Pat who? Because your quarterback called him the best quarterback? Don't motivate that team. They don't need it. They're that good. Oh, Jamar, what are you doing, man? Yeah. But, But again, I think that's a young player who will learn from that mistake. Yeah. But it's just something that you, you you don't have to say because everyone knows who Patrick Mahomes is. Yeah. And I think everyone acknowledges Patrick Mahomes as the best quarterback in football right now. And if you don't, you're living under a rock. Mm, yeah. Look, I, I just think it's great. Now, look, obviously, he's trying to give confidence. Jamar Chase trying to give confidence to Joe Burrow. And as he should, that's his teammate. And they want to succeed. They want to win a Super Bowl. There's something that they still haven't done. Um, but, yeah, no, look, I, I think it's it's funny. Do I care if Jamar Chase does it? No. But, look, you know, karma's a bitch sometimes. Excuse my language. Um, you don't want that backfiring on you. I'm just saying. So now Joe Burrow has to now walk everything to make sure he can back up his teammate 
and in a tough AFC, I don't know, man. That's a that's not something you want to walk into. The the AFC is so loaded this year. year. I don't know, man. That that's a massive quarterback. Oh, uh, oh, uh, thing they got going on in the AFC. There's yeah. A, oh, 100%. A, lot, a lot of good quarterbacks there. A lot of good teams. Yeah. Not including the Jets. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, football I can, season's right around the corner. I can I can honestly see that the Jets get see this is why I didn't want Aaron Rodgers. Part of it was obviously because he's old, and then another part of it is because they get so much attention. I don't know. Like I'm I'm having a I'm having that feeling where it's just like. This is just too good to be true, you know? So, I don't know why. I'll tell you this. I think there's one team flying way under the radar in the AFC right now. Mm-hmm. It's the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, we were – I was talking about this with a lot of people back at work, back at home. One of my coworkers told me that he said this was a hot take that the Cleveland Browns are going to win 11 games. I said, it's not a hot take. You know, Deshaun Watson's a good quarterback. You know, when he's playing for a full year. Yeah. And the players they have around him are good certified players. You have good running backs. You have good receivers. Like, and you got good coaching staff. This is the Browns win 10, 11 games. It's not going to surprise anybody. No, it won't surprise anybody at all. Yeah. I, I that to I me, mean, that's just the one team I think everyone's sleeping on. Yeah, I, I, I love that team a lot. If you're a better, I wouldn't be opposed to betting the Browns. Yeah. So AFC's loaded. What on Travis Kelsey for calling out Jamar Chase though? I have no issues with Travis Kelsey backing up his guy. Yeah, no, I, I think it's nothing crazy. whatsoever. I think it's hilarious. Now, again, he now Patrick Mahomes also has to walk everything because he's being proclaimed as the best. It's an unequivocal uh, across every aspect of the game. People love Patrick Mahomes and they think he's the best. And as you should, he puts on a show. He, he's listen. People can complain about Kansas City all they want. They're what? fun to watch. For what though? They're, they're for winning Super Bowls, for having a legendary coach and Andy Reid. Love Andy Reid. Love for, him for being in one of the best sports towns, best stadiums across all sports. Listen, how about for having the guts to move up 20 spots to draft a Mahomes? Exactly. They move, put him on the bench for a year to play Alex Smith, and then said to Alex Smith, who played really well, sorry, we're going to play this kid who's turned into the best quarterback in football. Exactly. And he's been, and Mahomes has been doing it since his very first start. He started that season, like at some point, like last late. game of the year against the Broncos. And he did a very good job. He actually, that's, that's what started his rise. 100%. Kansas City Chiefs, man, they're, they're the model franchise right now. They're, they're, for and if they time, sign DeAndre Hopkins, look out. <laughs> oh my God, D-Hop. 
Oh, can you imagine that loaded team in Kansas City? Like that, that oh. they're gonna win another Super Bowl. I can see it. With them or without them, they're they're at some point gonna win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Mahomes ain't ending at two. He's gonna end at three, minimum. For sure, and that that will cap off a great career. And you know, for, for those still ripping that contract, well, uh, Mahomes has a message for you. He got rings. It's true. Insane. Um, but my girl Beyonce says, if you don't like it, you should put a ring on it. It's, there you go. There Man, you go. I got a Beyonce quoted on SIP. <laughs> Rifkin, thank you again for joining me. Anytime, my man. Um, this does it for the seventh. Um, be sure to follow us on our social search Sports Sanity Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, the Sports Sanity Network search that on Facebook and Twitter and on YouTube and online, whatever you can search it. Google, Bing, whatever. You'll lead us to our website, the Network.com. For the great blogs, vlogs, meet the crew, planes, trains, and automobiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, please support our network. We have a lot of good shows. Uh, Rifkin just recorded the face turn. Uh, a lot of things, a lot of big things going on in wrestling. So you want to check that out. Um, then, of course, um, Wishbone. They're coming back soon. Wishbone, we are going to try to do something in the next couple of weeks i think yeah. um breakaway bands we're going to do a youtube live stream next saturday for the first day of nhl free agency mm-hmm. yep so we we got things cooking yep. and then of course batter, like rock. Up, batter up you can catch that sundays whenever it's live if it's not live it'll definitely be posted as a pod it'll be posted as a podcast we'll be stay tuned for that um and then, of course, um, this show. We love you, folks. It's a good, this is a great product we have. Please support it. We appreciate all those that already support it. So yeah. continue to support the network as always. And we love you guys. 100%. We put our effort in so you guys can listen mm-hmm. and enjoy. Yep. Have you got ideas? We'll listen to those as well. Yeah, we're trying to. I think me and Rifkin and, and others, obviously, we haven't kind of got quite uh, um, the, the thing set, but we are trying to get more fan involvement into the network. So please stay tuned for when that is released. Um, probably sometime within the next month or two, we'll start involving the fans more because we really want that. And um, let's hope it works out. And yeah. Continue supporting it. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care. What's going on, everyone? Lawrence Patchman Lang here, president of the Sports Insanity Network, just reminding you to go to our website, Network, where you can read everyone's blogs here on the network and also find about the history of the Sports Insanity Network.